You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Bill After, and welcome to episode 13, Lucky 13, just days removed from <laughs> Halloween, my favorite holiday. And joining me here in After's Alley is the best co-host in the whole damn universe, so says Chernoff, Josh Chernoff. Wow, that's, that was very that was very nice of you. Yeah, a great <laughs> introduction. Yeah, we've got a lot going on. How was your Halloween, by the way? Did you dress up as uh, Sting again this year? I did not. We did a uh, family, The Incredibles. That's what we did. The whole family was dressed that's up. Great. Yeah, that's... no, it was a great time, as, as always. I love Halloween. Well, and, then I uh, should have said you? you. Well, I should have said you were an incredible co-host i had one of my uh yearly mil mascaras masks on to uh scare away the uh the kids in luchador fashion nice so josh lots going on this week you have a uh, a huge story coming out of the chris jericho crew so let's go right to headlock on headlines yeah so uh, coming off of the Chris Jericho cruise, which from what I understand was a huge success and I'm hoping for a second one so that I can be a part of that. Uh, the, the young bucks made it clear. They were recording an episode of Chris Jericho's podcast, talk is Jericho. And they announced officially that the young bucks, Adam page, Cody Rhodes, Marty Scurll and Kenny Omega, uh, they were on there. They were all on the show together. Yeah. Um, they are now going by the elite. They are no longer a part of the Bullet Club. So what does this mean? Does this mean that they are the elite, but are they going to still, after January, because we know a lot of contracts are coming due, does this mean that they're no longer going to be working for New Japan Ring of Honor? Are they going their own? Are they going to start their own gig? This is what everybody's thinking. Yeah. I, well, you know, I think that if anything, this gives them that option because now the Bullet Club, I'm not sure who owns the rights to that, but I, I would think it, it either it's New Japan or somebody else, but whatever it is, it, it's not the WWE and it wouldn't be these guys for the opportunity to license to the WWE or to license to, uh, impact wrestling or if, or if they were to start their own, their own, uh, promotion. So the way that I see it now they've rebranded themselves and they've given enough time a couple months before the end of these contracts where now they could license the elite to somebody like the WWE. So that well, opens the opportunities. Right. That's where I was going with this, too, if they wanted to do this with the WWE. And, you know, I was thinking about something with uh, uh, the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes, mm -hmm. that in the past, since he's been gone from the WWE, he has shown them a resume that no one else in the WWE has shown them since leaving there. Right. He has become a promoter. Uh, he has become a marketing genius. He has become an excellent competitor in the ring, knowing exactly how to uh, uh, make the fans buy his merchandise, hate him, uh, flock to see him. So he's become a current total package right now. Mm -hmm. If I'm the WWE, I said, Dan, I'd like this guy in my office. 
right of course. now. Look, look, look what he's done. And that's, you know, and I think that I wouldn't be surprised you fast forward 20 years from now, Cody Rhodes is a very uh, prominent spot in an office of a, of a big wrestling promotion. But for now, you know, I still see him as a in-ring competitor first and foremost. There's been a lot of talk about the, the possibility of them starting their own promotion. But even though All In was such a huge success, that is such a, a, a different undertaking to have your own promotion. Just look at, we talked about last week, um, Billy Corgan's message on, on social media about the issues that they had uh, with, with the NWA 70 pay-per-view. So it, it, it's, it, there's so much that goes into it. It's more yeah, than just booking. Cody, Cody knows this. Cody knows this. Well, you don't know, and you don't know the conversations have been having. Maybe Cody's been having a conversation with with Triple H about being able to come down to NXT and do some booking for them down there. I mean, you, there are so many possibilities of what they could be doing. Well, he doesn't want to be in the background. Okay, at this point, I think Cody wants to be in the foreground, and I think going back to anything to do with WWE, of course, I it, it's very compelling to think of this, and I think twenty years down the line, as much too too far it's got to happen sooner than that but i what, think for him to be backstage for him i'm not, to saying, be he's, doing anything I'm not saying he's starting it at 20 years down the line i'm oh, just saying that, you fast, yeah you oh, just fast okay. forward 20 years down i the misunderstood line. you there so oh, no what, what i'm saying is right now uh at this point um if cody and his group are going the the elite are going to start their own gig. I could envision uh, Chris Jericho coming on board with them, mm-hmm. uh, and maybe even even though he's not NWA champion anymore, Cody uh, working with that promotion because Billy Corgan is a very strong figure in the world of entertainment, and in terms of getting the word out about this entire thing past the wrestling fans. Billy Corgan is definitely one of those uh, people who can take it out there. Right. Can I be honest with you? I, I, I still think that the NWA 70, and we're not talking about in-ring, I believe that the production issues that happen, um, I think they made them look Bush League in comparison to, to All In, in comparison to some of Ring of Honor shows. And I think that you talk about a guy like Chris Jericho, I can't see him looking at that product and saying, hey, I'm going to go to it. Unless, no, no, no. Unless, no. and this might be what, what you're implying, that they're coming in to kind of run the show. That's exactly what I'm thinking but, of. But what about the rumor of Chris Jericho and Jim Ross? putting something together with this billionaire guy to have their own promotion. Well, There's wait a so minute. so many things. That could be billionaire Ted, of course. But sure, it <laughs> could be so. Chris Jericho, Jim Ross, the billionaire, Cody Rhodes, right. Hangman Page, and the Young Bucks. And again, keep in mind, you don't need TV. Look what they do with social media. Look what they did with All In right. with social media. No, Look at this point, fight. Yeah, right. Fight TV is is the new. It's a professional wrestling network, and it's that's right. Know, um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see as that progresses to to kind of see where they head. I I'm I go back and forth. I feel like every day I'm either thinking they're going to be in the WWE or oh they're starting their own promotion or oh they'll Me stay too. here. Too. But uh, right now my gut is saying WWE. I don't know why, but my gut is saying WWE. 
By the way, speaking about WWE, I want to let people know that we are taping this several days prior to the Crown Jewel. And the big headline, of course, that has come out, we saw on Monday Night Raw, is John Cena is now officially removed yeah. from the uh, from the World Cup tournament at the Crown Jewel. Bobby Lashley is taking his place. Now, I was watching... Right before we taped this, I was watching an episode of uh, TMZ Live, and some news broadcasters went on from TMZ were asking Cena about why he's not going to Saudi Arabia. He was kind of trying to tap dance out of it. He really wasn't comfortable sure. answering it. But what they wanted to know is that the WWE and most of the wrestling public knew about this before this past live Monday Night Raw. Right. And the the question is, why did they wait so long to pull the trigger on it? Were they trying to still romance him somehow to be at this show? So correct me if I'm if I'm wrong here, but I'm I'm pretty sure that the uh tickets went on sale before they made the announcement. And that may have been a part of it. They may have also, as you're saying, they may have uh, been trying to convince John Cena to make the move. But what what a, a terrible PR nightmare Cena would have created for himself had he gone. Because he's he really is moving on from the WWE as far as his career. He has a lot of Hollywood opportunities. And, uh, and this is a, you know, I, I wouldn't even refer to this as a polarizing topic. This is... I don't think anyone thinks this is a good idea, and I don't even think the WWE thinks this is a good idea for them to go. I, I, but, but again, as we've discussed in the past, there's so many moving parts. Yes, and they're stockholders. They're stockholders that need right. to be, and that's and people are thinking about it as a wrestling company or a television show, and they're not thinking about it as a publicly traded company. It's not as simple as Vince McMahon going, "There was a a, tra- a, a, a travesty. We're not going to go." It's Correct. not as simple. Correct. Now you'd think, you know, you think it is because you, you're, you know, if you go with your gut feeling, you're like, oh well, of course it's common sense. But you know, it was made pretty clear on the uh, the quarterly uh, stock meeting that you know, look, our projections. This is part of it. This is part of you know, telling the stockholders. Oh, absolutely, it's a business, and they're looking at it that way. The other part of this is, and this is being talked about really under the radar mm-hmm. is that Daniel Bryan's not going as well. And you know, and we're recording this, uh, it's around four o'clock on Tuesday right now that we're recording this. And so, so by the time you're hearing this, first of all, you, you may have already watched crown jewel. And secondly, you, you, I'm almost positive will have watched or heard about SmackDown. So if Daniel Bryan's not going to be a part of it, uh, I'm sure you know that's all you we already know that by the time this is airing but um but it is interesting it, it it's a really it's an interesting thing when you when you have talent uh you wonder how many of the guys going feel like they would want to pull out as well but they're not John Cena and they're not Daniel Bryan you know like i mean think about a guy like a uh like, what if, like, Zack Ryder didn't want to go? No, I understand you know? that. And one of the people that they're really pushing very hard on the promotional end of this is Kurt Angle. Have you noticed that? Yeah, which is which is Very strong. Yeah, um, very well, strong. I mean, look, they're trying to push as many star, you know, the star power. Um, but, uh, but, you know, I, is it I, some... 
I'm sorry. I was told I was told originally that Rey Mysterio wasn't going, and now it looks like he is in. Well, he wasn't supposed to be going on the Jericho yeah. cruise, and he yeah. went. So he goes. So, he goes wherever. We, we uh, he will. went to the after chat first, though. So that's right. He um, did. All right. So let's move on now to another headline that I want to talk about. And I'll tell you something. If I had to pick right now, ask me what the match of the year was. Hey, Bill, uh, what, in your opinion, was the match of the year? You know, I'm amazed that you asked me this question because I wanted to discuss this. Hey, I'm a journalist. You are. You are. And I don't care what anyone says that my opinion here, because my opinion is my opinion, but Evolution, the incredible, absolutely amazing off-the-charts match between Becky Lynch and Charlotte, the last woman standing match. That was one of the best matches in terms of physical uh, ability, uh, drama, the whole storyline. They delivered... 10 million times more than anybody even thought they would deliver. And I'm going to go out on limb and saying that that entire card on the WWE Network was one of the best pay-per-views I have seen in years. So if well, this if this was a do we agree uh, segment, I feel like it would be the shortest one ever because I agree 100% with everything you just said. But I'm going to give you one disagree. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you one disagree. The following night on Monday Night Raw, uh-huh. I expected that that show to open with, oh my goodness, did you see that pay-per-view last night? That didn't come in until later on in the show. And that, that match was not the, the, that feeling, that goosebump feeling of that match was not projected the way it was on now, now they, remember, they really did. Remember though that SmackDown, that was the SmackDown Women's Championship. No, I get it, I get it. But this, remember now, both, both. This is the day after, and I've always had a problem with the with this whole thing being that the day after a pay per view, the whole pay per view should be talked about. Oh, on, I agree. On Monday night, but yes, I know that was SmackDown. No, I'm just saying maybe still, that's a reason. So they still should have uh, talked at the beginning of that sh- at the beginning of that show they still should have talked about that but that show was a 10 now i got a lot of emails and i want to know if you agree with me about this and this is very tough for me to talk about because everybody knows i am bill after and i'm always politically correct okay yes. do you think and i'm going to ask well i'm going to tell you that i think that there was a little too much, and I don't want to call it playing, I don't know what the right word was, but kind of playing off the whole Roman Reigns situation last night. They opened the show with that, of course. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred to have seen them open the show with uh, something from the pay-per-view. Uh, when they had uh, Ambrose and Rollins confronting each other they kept playing with how could he have done it on the night of roman reigns saying that he is ill um i just felt that it might have been and again i'm trying to be as nice and politically correct as i am but it bothered me 
that, and they may have checked with Roman Reigns and said, you okay with this? But it bothered me that the true life situation um, was a, a, there was a lot of wrestling angle introduced into that last night. Uh, I agree with you. I think that it wasn't necessary. I don't think when I, the way that I always look at this when I'm trying to judge, because, you know, look, you'll bring a, a real life angle in every once in a while. Like that, that is what the business has always been known to do. But I always look at it and say, has anyone benefited from bringing that real life angle in? And in this case, no, who, who, no, did this, I don't think so. Who either, did it benefit yeah. at all? So there are a couple things at evolution. There was the shout out to Roman Reigns that, uh, Tamina Snuka and Nia Jax did where they did that, like, you know, his hoorah or whatever, you know, his thing. They did that double pose with each other as like a shout out to him. Uh, Ronda Rousey also, uh, you know, said some words to the camera, uh, like encouragement to Roman Reigns at evolution. And that was all well and good, and that was that was fine, and that was you know, that was not that was very nice of them to do. I didn't like on Raw how they then show like acknowledge them doing that tribute to him. They didn't talk about Ronda, but the uh, Tamina and Nia Jax. I did think that that was a little a little much. Um, well, I they're thought, fa- they're they they're part of his family. Yeah, so and I it was a great that. little, and that's what I'm saying. Doing that at at Evolution, I thought was really tasteful and and was a great tribute. And it was like if you got it, you got it, and you didn't, then it it was what it was. But it was a nice shout out to him. Uh, but then to have to like work that into a segment on Raw where they discussed that they did that, where like Michael Cole even then did you know imitated it himself. It just was like okay, like we get it, um, you're taking something and you're, you're just beating it into the ground because you're trying to go, oh, wow. Like, it's almost like they looked at it and said, this is the thing that's finally making Roman Reigns the face that we want him to be because the fans are looking at the real human being and are cheering him on. And it just it's starting to feel like the WWE is trying to, uh, to capitalize on that. And they're so impatient that they won't even wait for the for the guy to come back, you know, that they just want to keep everything has to keep being about this. It was uh, I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to I want you to give your opinion on Baron Corbin's uh, promo because I get attacked all the time. For oh, my OK, opinion, OK, OK, so. OK. All right. I sent you a text last night. I was, yes, you did. I was watching Raw and I said, Baron Corbin sucks. OK. And you were very happy because we know your feeling about Baron Corbin. Yeah, but I had a what bottle came, of champagne what came, pop that open. But what came out of my Verizon texting there is that it's not the way he portrayed it. It's what they had him say where he said that you know he hopes Roman Reigns gets better. But when he does, he doesn't want to back him raw. And I thought that was really insensitive. I really did. Whoever wrote that, I just – you know, consider yourself slapped on the face from me. Yeah. And again, I'm Mr. Political Correct, but that bothered me. It really did. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I just want everybody to take a minute and realize that Bill Apter has just said something negative about Baron Corbin. <laughs> uh, I just want to, I don't want to revel in that for a minute. No, I, I, I thought, you know what, for it to start off with, it, it, there was no need to, there was no need to revisit it. There was no need to talk Dude, about Roman mean. Reigns. That was mean. Yes. That was not. And that was, that was cheap. That, that's what they call cheap heat. No, I'm well, okay. But it, it was just. It well, was no, just, no, I, I'm saying it was. No, mean, I agree. But, I but, agree. Yeah. 
That's it, so there, was not, it was not a money shot. Go right ahead. Oh boy, we we got some uh, Twitter comments I about that. that. I but uh, uh, <laughs> but but what I want to say is, I just thought that was that was just it was too insensitive. So it let's was. move on to our uh, our next topic here. Um, we have some announcements to make in the next few weeks. Uh, recently, and a lot of people who may have uh, seen the uh, 10 Pounds of Gold, mm-hmm. um, great Dave Lagana series, yes. noticed that we had already presented uh, one of our first annual awards that will take place every year. Right now, the After Chat Awards, I'm not going to say who it was to because we haven't officially released this yet, but uh, I want you fans to know that coming somewhere in the next few weeks, we are giving out awards to the After Chat Wrestler of the Year. The Male Wrestler of the Year. Then we are giving out the Female Wrestler of the Year. Mm -hmm. And also the tag team of the year. Who do you think it is? Josh, where can they uh, give their picks of who they think we picked? Uh, they can do that on Twitter over at the after chat. And I would love to hear who you who you guys and girls think we are going to uh, pick or have already picked for um, the wrestler of the year, male and female, as well as tag team of the year. Some people, when we had kind of mentioned something about that in the past said uh oh so the the last two months of the year don't count and it's not about that we've kind of looked at it as a there'd have to be something pretty big in my mind to make a shift uh because we looked at an overall body of work bill do you have anything to say as far as people wondering you know how could we make this decision based off of 10 months as opposed yeah to yeah it, it was it was clear cut it was clear cut again something earth shattering would have to happen like uh, John Cena becoming the uh, uh, the prince of Saudi Arabia, you know, for us to uh, yeah, I'm not, change it. Yeah, I, that's not going to happen. I don't know if that would even make him wrestler of the year, but that no, would definitely no, make definitely some, uh, some headlines. Um, yeah, but, but no, no, at this point, this is very cut and dry. When people yes. see who we picked, they'll go like, great choice. Yeah, I, I think I think the majority of people are going to ag- agree with it. I think we, you know, we kind of tried to read the room uh, of the after chatters, and and uh, I think I think people are going to be really pleased with it. Also, we, you know, we're not going to say anything yet, but we're hoping that uh, you know there will be. I can guarantee you there will be video of these presentations of the awards. Uh, I can't tell you exactly where they will be yet. But um, stay tuned because some of these videos might be somewhere extra special. Yeah. All right. So that is Headlock on Headlines. Bill Apter and Josh Chernoff will be right back. This is Judge BC. And sitting in front of me right now, uh, your name, sir? Uh, My name is One-Eyed Peter. Peter. I understand that recently you have listened to the after chat and you have used the code word bill and you have received a shipment of Blue Chew. Am I correct? You are correct. On the night of October 22nd, on the birthday of Bill, we understand you were at a gathering at Bill's house and you met a lady by the name of 
Evelyn. Is that correct? That is correct. I have in my notes here that you did have your free shipped bag of blue chew on your possession that night. Is that correct? I, I, I did. I did indeed. Uh, it was free. Uh, I just paid $5 shipping and they sent me a full month's supply because I used that promo code BILL. Thank you, sir. Now, I understand that you and Evelyn had made eye contact and as they say in the outside world, one thing led to another and the two of you, as they say in the outside world, went upstairs to the bedroom and hooked up. Is that correct? While I, I, I can't speak to what they say in the outside world, we did indeed make eye-on-eyes contact as One-Eye Peter did lead her up the stairway to a private area where I told her all about how I went to bluechew.com and got my first shipment absolutely free using the special promo code bill and just paying five dollars shipping and your honor once i had her up there and i was talking to her and i was getting ready to make some of my moves she said to me well don't you need a little bit more time and i said more time i don't need more time because this blue chew that i got at bluechew.com brought me the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So not only do I know that they work, but I know that they're going to be faster than a pill. And she said, well, is it okay? I mean, it's right now, it's it's in the middle of the evening. And I said, it can, it can be done anytime, day, night, even on a full stomach, which I had because, hey, we were at Bill Apter's house having ourselves a party. So I popped that chewable, and she and I, well... This is a PG program, is it not, Judge? It is, and you are telling the court that everything worked out as it was supposed to. One-Eye Peter could not have been more excited with how this turned out. Case dismissed. Blue Chew, Your Honor, is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. No one in person doctors visits no weaving in the pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness is made in the USA. And since Blue Chew prepares ships directly for cheaper than in the pharmacy, BlueChew.com, better, cheaper, faster choice. Thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. Okay, Josh, right now what I'd like to do, we're getting such a great reaction to the After Chat classics brought to you by Smart Hold, Call on Hold. And this week, when I sent you this since you produced the show you called me back right away and you said you couldn't believe what a madman killer kowalski was oh man this was such an an awesome interview now keep in mind killer kowalski by the way was a lot of people credit him with inventing the claw hold and he could put the claw hold on your face on your uh on your midsection on your arms on your back but he was the master of the claw hold. And the, the reason I'm bringing this all up is because I, when I saw that Becky Lynch, Charlotte, last woman standing match, it reminded me of how violent pro wrestling could be. And one of the most violent things that ever happened in the world of pro wrestling was Killer Kowalski, not using his claw this time, climbing up the ropes. I believe it was in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. 
and coming down with his knee onto the head of his adversary, Yukon Eric, and his knee caught Yukon Eric's ear and chopped Yukon Eric's ear off. Literally chopped it off. Clean off. Yeah, there were pictures in the magazines of the uh, commissioners holding the ear. Well, back in the 70s, I met Killer Kowalski at Madison Square Garden, and I did a 45-minute interview with him. And during that interview, I asked him if he regrets what he did to Yukon Eric. And you would figure him saying, well, it was an accident, I regret it. But what he did, it just... I'm going to sound like Vince McMahon. It was disgusting what his answer was. Let's go right now to my interview where I talked to Killer Kowalski about chopping off the ear of his opponent, Yukon Eric. Don Leo Jonathan said some complimentary things about you and some not too complimentary things about you. It seems he had a misunderstanding up in Canada. What are your feelings toward the man? Uh, Daniel Johnson is rather a very, very unique wrestler. Not only being a big man, but he moves like I've never seen any smaller man move. He can do all this fancy stuff, nip ups. He can drop kick. He can do this, that, and the other thing. And he's very, very fast. Guy's in phenomenal condition. Now, I have very, very good things to say about Daniel Johnson. In fact, he's boy, that guy's a tough guy. In fact, he could say the same thing too. That whenever we meet in the ring, whew, that's all I can say is wow. I ache the next day. It, it hurts my whole body. Okay, he, he gives out enough punishment for anybody. Now, let me ask you this. I don't want to bring up really an unpleasant incident, but does Killer Kowalski regret when he cripples a guy? For example, with the incident no. with Yukon Eric. Did you ever regret that? or? I thought it was rather humorous. In fact, <laughs> you thought that was funny where you chopped the guy's ear off? The guy's ear knocked up. I looked at him and I said, ha, ha, look. You were laughing when you chopped this guy's ear off. You didn't give a damn, did you? Well, after the match, you know, after it was over, I looked at the guy and I said, well, it was funny. you got to admit that. You were laughing. Isn't this kind of sadistic, Killer? No, no. To see a man with his ear missing, it is funny. Have you ever seen a man with his ear off? No, I haven't. Well, if you do see it, you'll laugh. It's kind of funny. You think so? Yeah. In fact, the funny part about it was that kind of threw him through his balance and equilibrium off, especially when he's walking down the street in a high wind, you know. And catch that other one, that one good ear and just spin him around. He had a difficult time walking down that street, you know, like a sail, you know, like a rudder. Just windmill. I think we've heard enough about that. So what did you think, Josh? Pretty, uh... Pretty sickening that it didn't bother him at all, right? So I had a couple of lines in there that I thought were amazing. Uh, when he said that it was rather humorous, that yeah. that was his response. Um, yeah. And then I did enjoy when he talked about the wind and now catches him and spins him around. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess the political wait, correct wait, thing wait, would be, wait. yes, it was Stop. disgusting. Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. Wait. See, now you are the... You you just became the wrestling fan that I'm like, oh, come on, that well, you found it funny. Back in those days, and this was a legit injury, back in those days, people didn't talk like, you know, uh, that this was funny. And the interview was not meant to be funny. Hey, was, I'm not... I'm not saying it was meant to be funny. I'm saying I found his delivery of it, his reaction to be somewhat amusing. I found the act of him actually knocking uh, Yukon Eric's ear off to be disgusting and, and quite unfortunate and wouldn't have wanted okay. that to happen to me or anyone else for that yeah. matter. 
Uh, but I still stand by the fact that his reaction when you said, what did you think when that happened? And he says uh, he found it rather humorous. I just, I found that rather humorous. Well, I found it quite disgusting. You know what? What's you know that? what else I find disgusting? What? I was on a phone call. Okay. And they, they put me on hold, dead silence, Ugh. for eight, eight minutes, and I hung up. What do you do? What Josh, what do you do when somebody puts you on, just says, hang on a minute, and you feel like they're never coming back? Well, first I, I sit quietly, and I, I wait uh, for about two seconds, and then you, I listen do you, closely. Do you tap your fingers? Uh, I tap my fingers. I tap my thumb. I tap a pen that I might be holding. I okay. tap my foot. Uh, yeah, I'm a real tapper when it comes to being put on hold. But uh, what I do very quickly after I, I uh, start tapping is I, uh, I get pretty, pretty angry that I've been put on hold, that there's nothing to tell me. Uh, when will they be back? There's nothing to, I mean, God, just give me something. Give me well, something. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're supposed to be thinking of our pro wrestler friend, Mac Davis. Well, I am. And anyone who would call me would be because I love smart hold message on hold. So why don't we tell everybody a little bit about that? Go right ahead, Josh. All right. So what is smart hold? Smart hold is a message on hold service for only $35 per month. That's right only $35 per month. Plus, and this is the best part, Bill, there are no contracts. So let's recap that for a second. Smart hold, message on hold service, only $35 per month with no contracts. If you run a business where you place your callers on hold, one of your most effective and least expensive marketing tools is message on hold from smart hold. I don't think a lot of people realize that when you have your caller on hold, you have a captive audience. Replace the radio stations and CD players, which by the way, is illegal. Or maybe you have some really bad music that came with the phone or even worse, as we've been talking about, silence. With today's cell phones, placing a caller on hold to silence is deadly. Most callers won't be sure if they're still on hold, if they're still connected. That's right. They'll probably just hang up like you do or I do. Can you afford to lose that call, Bill? No, absolutely not. I couldn't afford to lose that call in my business. And that's why with Smart Hold, we make your caller's hold time more enjoyable and informative while the caller's hold time feels shorter. It also makes you sound more professional because with Smart Hold, you get pro voice talent, both male and female, unlimited message changes, professional script writers, broadcast quality audio, fresh background music, music licensing fees, and even a Smart Hold player should you need one at no charge all for only $35 per month per location served and no contracts. So go to www.smart-hold.com and order today. That's www.smart-hold.com. Be smart, get smart hold. So we were discussing several times the National Wrestling Alliance and the 70th anniversary show. Yes. And on that show, people were shocked that during the NWA World Heavyweight Championship match between the champion Cody Rhodes, two out of three fall match against former champion Nick Aldis, nobody expected that Cody was going to lose the title that night. The emotions displayed when Cody 
won that belt at All In were incredible. And I thought he was going to hold that title for many, many years. But Aldis showed that he was to become champion again. Nick Aldis, as far as I'm concerned, Josh, and all you after chatters, follows in a lineage of the classic style NWA National Wrestling Alliance champions like yeah. uh, Jack Briscoe, Dory Funk Jr., Harley Race, uh, again, Gene Kaniski, these these real classic type of wrestlers. And we had the opportunity to talk to the new world champion, the new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And one thing that we wondered about that, Josh, you brought up is, was he ever romanced to go into the WWE? Yes, and his answer was very interesting. So uh, take a listen to it now. Our opportunity to sit down with the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, the national treasure, Nick Aldis. Okay, so with us currently right now is the new reigning National Wrestling Alliance Heavyweight Champion of the World, Nick Aldis. Welcome to the After Chat. Thank you very much, Bill. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Such a revered figure in our industry and someone so synonymous with the NWA such as yourself. Well, thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. The NWA, when people ask me about the times in my career that I enjoyed photographing the classic matches back from Jack Briscoe against Dory Fung Jr. all the way to the Ric Flair era, yeah, NWA was always that special brand. And now um, the NWA, the branding is back, and you are the champion. Tell us about, uh, uh, you lost the title, of course, at All In in Chicago, and uh, the rematch was in Nashville last week. Two out of three falls at the fairgrounds. Tell us about the match and how you defeated Cody. Well, the way I looked at uh, Chicago was, it was a monumental moment for both of us. It was a big moment for, uh, for me personally, because... I did what I said I was going to do. You know, when I took on the challenge to, to, to be part of the new NWA, the, the resurgence of the NWA under Billy Corgan and Dave Lagana, I said that I was going to take that championship and make it mean something. And um, I made a promise that day that when, you know, when I was done with that championship, with that first reign, that it was going to be defended on a, on a stage that it deserved. And, and I think that we can all agree that All In was was, uh, you know, exceeded that expectation. Oh, yeah, it was like um, a big fight fever there. It was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and to have 11,000 people on their feet before we even touched, you know, that sure. doesn't get much more world championship than that. So I proved that I'm, I'm the right guy. And, um, but, you know, that was, that was, that was Cody's, Cody's night. You know, he promoted that event. Everybody working that event was working for Cody and for the Bucks and, Everything about that was sort of leaning in his favor. And we, uh, you know, I think there was something everyone understood that there was just going to be a little bit of, you know, no matter how you slice it, there was always going to be a situation where people were going to lean his way. And I think that's what happened with the, you know, the, the, the count out situation with the referee and with the leniency towards Brandy. And so to me, the, the natural progression for the rematch especially considering that it was at the NWA signature event at the, at the 70th anniversary of the NWA in Nashville. Yes. You know, with all the history attached to it, that to me, it, it made perfect sense to, to have two out of three falls. I mean, what, what, what exemplifies 
the 10 pounds of gold in the NWA World Championship more than two out of three falls, 60-minute time limit, you know, no excuses. Somebody's going to walk out a winner. So I've, I've heard some people look at this as saying that, you know, now we need a rubber match. Do you feel that since this was a two out of three falls match that you kind of had the rubber match in, the, in this event at NWA 70? Uh, or do you think now that maybe there is still that question of, you know, you're one and one, maybe they'll have another one? Well, look, at the end of the day, gentlemen, it's about business, yeah? You know, if, if, sure. if people want to break out the Benjamins to see us again, then obviously <laughs> I'm a businessman. I'm going to let that happen. And if we're, and if we're, being, if we're being technical, then we could, we could say that it's actually we're, we're at two falls apiece now. That's true. You know, because the first match was one fall, and this match was two out of three, and so now we're, you know, we're at two falls apiece. And, That's a good uh, point. So, you know, I, look, I, I, uh, I said this in the post-match press conference. I believe that... Uh, Cody and Nick Aldis was the defining rivalry of 2018. I think it could be the defining rivalry of this era if it continues. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and I don't think that, I think that we're all very much aware that uh, if it ended here, we'd be leaving a lot of money on the table. So I think one way or another, there will be a third match somewhere. What do you remember most about the, uh, the classic days of the NWA? What, uh, what feuds do you remember? To me, it was Flair and Steamboat. Oh, you know, yes. I, 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 um, you know, Flair and Steamboat in, in Nashville, ironically, you know, in 1989, just to me embodied what the NWA was in comparison to the WWF, which was, you know, it, it, like, like Jim Cornette once said, it was an athletic sport, but, you know, an, an entertaining sport versus sports entertainment. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was gritty, it was athletic, it was two guys who really looked like they wanted to win. The championship was the most valuable thing. It was a big fight feel. It had a sports vibe to it. The audience was, you know, was, was, was adults. They took it seriously. They believed in it. They suspended their disbelief. They were, you know, they were invested in the, in the men and they were invested in the prize. And that's yes. what I wanted for this. And, and I think that's what we got. And, and then I think that to me, Harley Race, you know, defending that championship the way he did, uh, and then Flair defending it the way he did against guys like like um, like Harley and like Dusty, you know, Flair and Dusty, Flair and Steamboat, Flair and Barry Windham. You know, they're the they're the matches to me that, that exemplified what a world championship match was versus just the rest of the matches on the card. Tell us what it was like uh, backstage in the dressing room area for everybody back there. What it was like for this. Uh, 70th anniversary. I know Magnum TA was there. Dory Funk Jr. Yeah. was there. It was jubilant. You know, um, one, one thing I, I, I took pride in doing right from the start, whether I was at a show with 100 people in the audience or 10,000, was I show up, dress nice, present myself well, you know, carry the belt. You look like a champion, Nick. I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, and it's true. And Cody, Cody is the same way. Mm-hmm. And when we started to circle each other like great prize fighters tend to do and start sizing each other up, people started to get that excitement before we even interacted. And I think that was because they, they saw who we were and they said, you know, it, we gave them, we gave the audience an excuse to, to buy into it because you have to believe it. You have to, it has to come through your eyes, you know. It has to be in your heart. You have to believe that you're worthy of that spot, and Cody and I both do. And um, when we, you know, we did that, we presented a situation that was so different to anything anyone else was doing, including WWE. 
And um, what really what really struck me when I got to Nashville was, I would say, at least seventy five percent of the of the guys on that show showed up in suit and ties. Oh wow, that's there great. was that's no so classy. we didn't we didn't mandate a dress code. We didn't say please come in suits, you know, please right. dress, please dress appropriately. We didn't do any of that, but they just, they chose to come, you know, to come dress that way because they all, you know, like I say, the majority of the guys on that card, I think they appreciated being given a spot on such a historic night. They really took it seriously. They believed it. And, and when they, when, when the boys believe it and take it seriously like that, the audience follows suit because they, they appreciate, effort you know they appreciate passion and when the boys show that passion then the audience buy into it and then it, it all just it, it, you know it, everything just starts to to multiply you know because yeah. you feed off each other's energy so you had mentioned earlier about uh you know whether or not it's uh 11, people or it's 100 people um obviously this venue while it holds a lot of prestige was a decent amount smaller than the venue at all in uh, a question came in from OKFabe okay uh, to our Twitter. We asked our fans if they had any questions for you. And this one was, uh, what would Nick Aldis say was the biggest challenges and or differences from his match at NWA 70 versus All In? And I kind of wanted to tag on to that, the differences of, you know, we talk about this being a big match feel. Um, did one feel bigger than the other? Uh, did it not matter once you were inside the ring? What What was your feeling on this? I actually felt as much hype and pressure and interest going into uh, NWA 70 as I did for All In, because I think All In, you know, as much as I believe that Cody and I really were the true main event of All In, mm-hmm. we, were sharing, we were sharing a super card with a lot of big stars. That's a good um, Whereas, you know, NWA 70, you know, we, we were the main event. We, 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 we were the attraction that, you know, the, the, uh, the vast majority of the house was sold on the main event before any other matches were announced. Right. Um, you know, we did uh, in excess of $25,000 at the box office on the first day. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the, the pressure was there for, for us to deliver. So in my mind, I took it as seriously. Plus I knew that it was going to be compared to all in. And even though the building was packed, it wasn't going to be 11,000 people. Sure. But the thing with the, the thing what I've always found is a full building is the most important thing, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and sometimes, and you see this sometimes when you look at the WrestleManias, you know, when they've got like, 70, 80, 90,000 people in a stadium, sometimes it's, sometimes the atmosphere gets lost with so many people because it can be, because that electricity kind of travels upwards, that, that, that you know, the atmosphere is there, people, it, it's more of a, it's more of a festival kind of feel rather than a, an intense kind of, you know, prize fight feel. Um, I knew we would have that at the fairgrounds because of the way that building is laid out. You know, it's two levels. So the people are right on top of you. They're packed in tight. That building has so much history. I really believe in that. Like there's an energy in that building based on all the history there. And, uh, people travel from all over the world to that show. 
I mean, we had people from, we had fans from England, we had fans from Australia, we had fans from, you know, dozens of different states. They came, they came to see the NWA, you know, so it, it meant a whole lot to us because we knew that, you know, the responsibility was on us to deliver. We were pulling that wagon, and I take that seriously. It used to be that um, TV was the key to the success of her promotion. For example, during the heyday of the NWA, uh, they had TV in Georgia, they had TV in the Mid-Atlantic area and all that. And it seems now that it's more driven on streaming and social media. What do you feel are the ingredients that will bring the NWA back to the prestige that it had at one time? Um, well, I think you touched on it. I think it's eyeballs. You know, it's eyeballs and buzz. However you get that is, is really up to you. What I've, what I've described, people, have, you know, people, people try to dissect the short-term success of the NWA, you know, the, the, the growth we've had in one year. And I put it down to, uh, I've, I've done my best to try and sum it up into one sentence of what our approach is. And really what it is is traditional values with a modern delivery system. You know, we take the... We take the traditional values of the championship, make the championship mean something, make it, you know, present it what it, how it deserves to be, the most prestigious wrestling championship in the world today. Mm-hmm. But we deliver it through YouTube and through social media so that we can reach as many people as possible and we can reach people all over the world and we can reach them instantly. Because, you know, whereas before you had to wait, you know, you had to, Right. buy a magazine you had to tune into something at a certain time and now people want it right now and and you can you can look at that two different ways you can look at it and go oh it's so much harder now to to make them or you can say yeah but we also have the ability to create buzz in an instant yeah look what you, you know, guys did it all in i mean that was it was right. all social media something can happen and you can make it accessible and you can catch people's attention right now and then they can watch it and they can go, okay, you know, I'm hyped for this. And that's what, you know, and, and with 10 pounds of gold, we, we created a, a product and we created a, a, oh, a, yeah. Yeah, a show that, that made, that made people, that made people go, you know what? Like when this comes up in my, t- I'm going to subscribe because I want to see this when it comes out, because I want to be part of this. You know, I want to be able to talk about this when everyone else is talking about it because it's that good that people are talking about it. And that's, that's what social media is. It's people talking about stuff, yeah. you know, and you want them to be talking about you. And the best way to do that is to deliver something that's worth talking about. Absolutely. Um, the great NWA champions in history um, that I always talk about, look back at, if you could in their prime pick any one NWA former champion to be your uh, opponent for, and again, in, in his prime, who would that be? Someone you haven't wrestled and was one of the classic NWA wrestlers? Well, I think if I was looking at it from a from a nostalgia standpoint, I would probably have to say Flair, but I think from a practical standpoint, I would probably say Steamboat because I'm a heel, you know, because I tend to I tend to be more of the I think I would be a better dance partner for Steamboat. It really because he, interesting. I see what you're yeah, because because I dictate the pace. You know, I, I like to, I like to sort of, you know, take control. And, and a guy like Steamboat, who has that incredible fire and, you know, sells so well and, and has that passion and that, 
you know, just just that emotion that gets people just behind him so much. I, I know who I am. I know that naturally I push people's buttons and, you know, typically tend to lean more on the dark side, you know? Yeah. And so I would want a classic, classic good guy in like Ricky. But you look, you look, you look like the good. But when I first saw you, I said that guy's Dory Funk, that guy's Jack Briscoe. You know that same style. I appreciate style. that. It's very yeah. kind of you. And yeah. and uh, and it and it meant a whole lot that Dory was there. And and um, I mentioned this in the uh, in the post match press conference. But um, Dory Funk Jr. gave me a gift uh, when I got to the building on Sunday. He. Uh, he gave me a box and it was um there's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful pen um it's a, a like a ballpoint pen with with uh with my name and nwa world champion uh inscribed on it and wow. yeah it, it was a really nice gift of him you know to do that for me it meant a whole lot so you obviously you spent uh i think people in the states became most familiar with you with your time in tna and impact mm-hmm. um yeah and I don't want to gloss over that because, you know, obviously you, you know, former champion there uh, and you did some really great things. But I did want to get to I wanted to make sure we had an opportunity to get to the point of, you know, look, as, as we know, you were your wife is Mickey James, who competes with the WWE. And I think a lot of fans wonder because of the success you had in Impact, because of this uh, huge success now you're having with the resurgence of the NWA, uh, it's not like they wouldn't know how to get in touch with you. Is this something yeah. that, that you've thought about? Have they expressed any interest? Have you expressed interest? Or do you think it would be a good fit with the WWE one day in the future? Obviously, you're very, you're very engrossed in the NWA right now. But in the future, is that something you'd consider? I had interests. Um, and, and they had interests, I believe, you know, when I, when I was with TNA. And then... Um, and then, for whatever reason, then when I when I became available, uh, you know, so it's a bit of a different story. And um, quite frankly, there was, you know, I had too many conversations with them, where, you know, there was too much. You know, they just they, they would they they would sort of the first couple of times it was no, and then it was no, not right now, and then. And then it was like, let me talk to this guy, let me talk to that guy, and I just got to a point where I just, um, I just sort of lost interest because, you know, th- I, that was all I ever wanted at one point, and uh, sure. and then because it couldn't, for whatever reason, it never seemed to materialize. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I don't. It's hard for me to say because I feel like there's something there that they're not telling me, you know, and, and I don't know what it is. And it's just, and, and frankly, it's like, we're all adults. Like if it, it, it's, I'd rather than just give me a straight answer, you know, but you never get that with them. You know, there's always, there's, there's so many people with so many camps and just, you know, so many snakes in the grass. And it's just, uh, I just ain't got time for it. You know, like the, the, I'd rather just get a straight answer. Like, and they don't ever seem to want to do that. And, and I just don't have time to play games like that. So, uh, you know, I just want to be a big time pro wrestler. So if I have to be a big time pro wrestler by building my own big time to be a part of, then so be it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, before we let you go, uh, Cody and you, hopefully down the road, going to have another match. I know he wants to regain the title. If he's listening to this podcast currently, what do you want to say to Cody? I'd like to thank him for being a great dance partner. 
You know, you're only as good as your last match. And so right now I'm pretty damn good. Um, <laughs> and uh, look, he and I, our egos, to quote Ric Flair when he was talking to Cody's father, our egos run side by side, gentlemen. He wants to be the top dog in the entire business. So do I. He, uh, we, we push each other. You know, I'm inspired by things he's done. He's inspired by things I've done. That's why we, that's why we were destined to collide, and it's why we're destined to collide again. And anytime he wants to do it, he knows that I'm open for business. What do you see in your future with the NWA? Uh, do you see yourself being able to travel from promotion to promotion? Yes, the oldest, cru- the oldest crusade. Mm-hmm. I defended the title on four different continents in nine months prior to All In, and I will, and I will go back to being an international man of merit for the NWA and for the most prestigious world championship in the business. There are some in the books. Blue Demon wants a shot in Mexico. Ooh. We're all up. We're we're all about that. We've got something coming up in Puerto Rico which will be a new ground for me. Mm-hmm. We've got some, uh, obviously there are a lot of promoters in the UK. I've had a, I've had a promoter in the Middle East already reach out about, uh, about a, a title defense in uh, Jordan. You know, this is the real Welsh championship as far as I'm concerned. And I will go to any promotion. We had some discussions last year with Impact. I turned it down. Didn't like the opponent. But okay. if they want to come back to the table, they've got to prove themselves, but we can make that work. You know, I mean, I've obviously got history there. I think they're starting to up their game a little bit. They might be worthy of an NWA World Championship match. Ring of Honor is still very much in play. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. Well, now, that now, that you mentioned, and, now that you mentioned Ring of Honor, uh, yeah. this, this would be earth-shattering. As you know, they're going to Madison Square Garden in April on WrestleMania yeah. week. And the National Wrestling Alliance, I think the last time that the NWA title was defended there probably was not when I was like 10 years old before it was all uh, WWWF at that time. Um, mm-hmm. Is this something that you would like to bring a title defense of you and Cody to the pinnacle of the wrestling palaces in the world? No offense to the Tokyo Dome, but uh, Madison Square Garden. I don't, I don't care who my opponent is, but I will do my damnedest to be the first man in decades to defend the NWA World Championship at Madison Square Garden. Yes, sir. All right. And you bring a very classy air with you to that championship. So. I mean, if anybody's going to bring the 10 pounds of gold back to Madison Square Garden, shouldn't it be the national treasure? I, I can't disagree with that. No, not at all. Where can people, well, find, the national, where can people find the national treasure on social media? On Twitter, I'm at Real Nick Aldis. I'm verified, so just look for the check. And uh, same handle on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. And then on Instagram, I'm at Nick Aldis, N-I-C-K-A-L-D-I-S. We want to thank you so much and wish you, of course, continued success with the really oldest title when you look back at the lineage of pro wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance Championship. Sam Muchnick would have been proud of you. I appreciate that. And, uh, Bill, it's, uh, I, I want to say how much I admire you to, to, to be still contributing so much to our great business at this point after so many decades is, uh, is truly an honor, and uh, you're a credit to our business. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that so very much. Thank you, and please send, our, send our best wishes and uh, 
uh, and love and uh, country songs to Mickey James. I will. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye, guys. What a great interview with Nick Aldis. Very informative, very interesting, and very nice of him. It was only we recorded that only two days after his match with Cody Rhodes. Um, what did you think of the interview, Bill? Well, I, I, of course, we were you and I were part of the interview. I thought it was great. However, I do want to bring out that Nick Aldis did say that he was going to become like he was before a fighting champion. That yeah. you're going to see, you'll see him in Japan, you'll see him in Australia. You'll see him here in the United States. You'll see him in the United Kingdom. You're going to see him everywhere. Yeah, so that, that's and a that's fighting champion. That's what the NWA champion was known for back in the day, and and uh, it's nice to see that back. Absolutely, absolutely. To bring that quality of the National Wrestling Alliance back into the forefront, Nick Aldis is that classic champion look, as I mentioned before. Hey, Bill. Speaking of bringing quality back. That, that there once was and, and maybe there isn't anymore. That brings us to our sponsor, BlueChew.com, does it not? That's a heck of a uh, segue. Thank you. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go, when you were always at 100%. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. So listen up. BlueChew.com, that's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You might be saying, hey, we, we know this stuff. You guys talk about this multiple times in every episode. Well, one, that's because BlueChew has been a wonderful sponsor to us for every episode we've had. This is our 13th episode. And two, because it actually works. And we want all of you, the after chatters, the male after chatters out there, to know about this. And we want the female after chatters to know about this so that they can go tell their male partners. So a couple of key points about Blue Chew. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready to go whenever the opportunity, as they say, arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the good old U.S. of A. And since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. What do you have to lose? I'll tell you what you have to lose. Nothing except for $5 shipping. Because right now, we have a special offer for you. If you go to BlueChew.com, you will get your first shipment absolutely free when you use the special promo code BILL. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's blue com promo code BILL, B-I-L-L, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the After Chat. So, Josh, before we go, people were asking me about what kind of feeling I get when I'm watching the WWE. Is there anything that really grabs me? We're like, oh, I can't wait to see that match. Mm -hmm. This past Monday night, when they had Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch on an interview, that was done so right that that match that will be one of the feature matches at the Survivor Series, I have fight fever to see that match. I yeah. really do. I yeah, think I after 
I think after seeing Becky against Charlotte and, of course, Ronda being uh, the toughest, badass woman in the world, I think that this match has all the components to be that goosebump match. So let me throw this over to you. You do agree with that? I do. In terms of a, okay, but in terms of another goosebump match in the WWE, what would that be for you? For me, it would be Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. Why? Because Drew versus Braun Strowman, while I think that's where we're going to be headed, uh, that to me would be a good match. That would be something that I'd be excited to see. I'd want to see, you know, you've got Drew's this, this, you know, this kind of monster in in his own right versus the monster among men, and it it would be really it would it would be entertaining. Something to me about Drew McIntyre, the way he is presented nowadays versus Brock Lesnar, I just, I guess I would look at that and just feel kind of the way I felt when I first saw Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar a while back of just where you're, you're, you're trying to visualize Brock Lesnar throwing him around and you're having a hard time doing it. And at the same time, you're having a hard time seeing Drew throw Brock around so it kind of it, it makes me start to say like man okay I, I want to see these two collide see what happens now, now now let me interrupt here and say something that I think Drew McIntyre unfortunately is playing second fiddle to Dolph Ziegler of course but I think Drew McIntyre truly truly deserves a top a top spot in the WWE I think for years, he has been underutilized and underrated, and I think he's finally, this guy is finally, uh, again, it's a cliche, but coming into his own now. And I think I think they see it, too. Yes, and I think the playing second fiddle thing is, is wrapping up. I honestly feel that way. Um, I think he is going to be moving on to to the main event, and I think he's going to be staying in the main event. I, 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 I know I'm biased. You know, I, 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 of course, I, you know, have known Drew. Oh, give me a second. Hold on. I, I have to pick up that name I just dropped. But I've known Drew for, for many, many years. But that's not it. That's not why I think he's going to be his big main eventer. Because, man, you talk about a guy like Cody Rhodes. You, you mentioned earlier in the show about how he left and, and reinvented himself and, and raised his stock in the eyes of the WWE. The only person I can think of who's done something as, as, as much as, as that or as close to that would be Drew McIntyre from when he left as a part of 3MB um, when he was released and the way that he just reinvented himself and matured as a, as a person uh, coming yeah, back he, now. He, totally different character and, yeah. and very uh, – uh, he makes a, a hell of an imposing presence. He yeah. really does. Okay, so that's your goosebump match. That's what I want to see. I, I, that's what I hope we're going to get to see. I don't think we're going to because I think Braun Strowman is going to stay in the mix, but that's what I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we're going to, and that's nothing against Braun Strowman. Um, it's just that having Braun in the match doesn't do it for me the same way as just a classic one-on-one encounter between these two. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Josh, where can people find you of course on uh, social media? Well, they can find me on Twitter at so says Chernoff. They can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash so says Chernoff. And they can find our show on Twitter at The After Chat. They can find it on Instagram at The After Chat. And they can find it on facebook.com slash The After Chat. 
And they can go to theafterchat.com where they can find a, a button to click for our merch. Check out our shirts over at Pro Wrestling Tees. And, of course, there's a button right there to click the book, which uh, we are now in November, so we're no longer in, in the uh, celebratory month of Is Wrestling Fixed? No, we now need record sales from November to next October. Yes, that's the name of Bill After's book, Is Wrestling Fixed? No, we now need record sales. Absolutely. <laughs> and I didn't know it was broken. You can get me at After One Wrestling on Twitter. You can email me at beafter at onewrestling.com. But go to the After Chat. And by the way, when you go to the After Chat, take a look at the archives because every week new After Chatters are joining us and saying, yes. oh my God. Where have you guys been? What have you done before? We've had Hulk Hogan on two times. Three Hollywood. Oh, no, yeah. Hollywood Hulk Hogan on once. We've had Sting on twice. We've had, we've had Taz, Jerry the King Lawler, Rey Mysterio, Jim Cornette, Tony Schiavone. Um, yeah, really a who's who of, of people that yeah. you would have on a podcast. Yeah. Um, and, of course, last week we had WWE superstar Naomi on. By the way, last show – we had Magnum TA pick the winners and losers of several matches at uh, Evolution. Yes. And he emailed me this week that he got three out of three correct. Yes. He, so we uh, need, are going to try and work out a deal where he becomes an official analyst for the pay-per-views. We're also going to have him on as a future guest on the After Chat. And we're also nego in negotiations with and this is this all comes down to money. Unfortunately, we're in negotiations with the million dollar man Ted DiBiase to get him on the show, but the wheeling and dealing about the money, Josh, is yeah, like. But you know what? I just feel like everybody's got a price. <laughs> For the after chat, this is Bill After and Josh Chernoff, and we'll see you at the matches. <laughs>